Hey everyone, welcome to the Hyrith and Other Words podcast. I am your host, Timothy Mangle, and uh, I'm doing a solo episode. And uh, yeah, I'm excited to to dive into this, but um, just want to give you a little heads up that I am coming off of uh, a cold, so if you hear any sniffling, I ask that you just bear with me. And uh, anyone who's watching the video, I don't know if you'll notice this or not, but I'm very stiff. I uh, was drying my hair this morning and I hurt my back. I don't, I don't know what that is other than I'm turning 31 in less than a month and I'm blaming it on that. Not the fact that I don't exercise or anything like that, but uh, yeah. So that's just some things I wanted to say. I hope all of you are doing well. I'm doing well. Besides that, uh, my cat knocked down two of my curtains this morning, but hey, you know, that's what cats do. (laughs) All right. So the game plan for today is that I'm just, we're going to read the story of the uh, Good Samaritan, um, and then I'm just going to talk through it. That's pretty much it. The story is found in the uh the Gospel of Luke in chapter 10, verses 25 through 37. Um, so if you have any interest in going and looking there for yourself, that's where it's at. That's the chunk of the story. And yeah, you know, I'm I'm not going to try to put too much modern perspective or I, I don't really want to say how you should apply this to your life. I just kind of want to read the story and talk about it and then let you decide how you implement that into your life. Um, yeah, because I think there's some there's some really good stuff here. So let's just dive in. Like I said, I'm just going to read it first, um, and then I'm going to just go back through it and start at the beginning and dive in. And behold, a lawyer stood up to put him to the test, him being Jesus saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And he said to him, What is written in the law? How do you read it? And he answered, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, You have answered correctly. Do this, and you will live. But he, desiring to justify himself, said to Jesus, And who is my neighbor? Jesus replied, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell amongst robbers, who stripped him and beat him and departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance, a priest was going down the road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So likewise a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was. And when he saw him, he had compassion. He went to him and he bound up his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he, sat, then he set him on his own animal and brought him to an inn and took care of him. And the next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper, saying, Take care of him, and whatever you spend, I will repay you when I come back. Which of these three do you think proved to be the neighbor to the man who fell amongst the robbers? 
he said, the one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said to him, you go and do likewise. So that's that's the story. I know I think a lot of people are familiar with the idea of a good Samaritan just kind of being something that exists in our culture or in the you know in the Western zeitgeist, but this is where it comes from. It's it's this story. And uh yeah, so I'm just gonna go back up to the top and then just kind of chisel my way through it. Um yeah, and just see what we can we can find through reading this. So the first thing, uh, and behold, a lawyer stood up to put him to the test, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? So, okay, so the question that kind of is the backdrop to the story is that there, and also the, I'll give you the context of this. So in Jewish religious culture, it is pretty much the normal practice to have religious or philosophical theological whatever you want to call it spiritual discussions based around their holy book the torah and the law um and then yeah they would just they would have a discussion about this and you can see this because you know this man asked jesus a question and then in return jesus asked the man a question that's a that's a discussion it's a conversation about it so it's a little bit different than how we do things in the west um the way that churches are set up now and a lot of like Bible studies and things like that, it's very much one person telling everyone what they should, what, what is the interpretation of it? What is, how to live it, how to, you know, how to interpret it, all those things. But again, in Jewish culture, it's much more common to just have a discussion amongst people of, you know, what does this mean? How do we, what, how do you interpret it? How do I interpret it? And how do we implement these things into our lives? And for me personally, I, I can't see how that wouldn't be more beneficial than some guy just being like, here's what it is. Here's how you go. Because it's so much pressure on the individual telling everyone what to believe. And it's also so much pressure on the individuals of the group hearing that because then they, regardless of what their personal opinions are, have to conform to that person because of the power that we give to them. So, I mean, this isn't really the whole point of it, but for me, a healthy spiritual discussion needs to be done in a group, um, especially ones that have people with differing opinions. Cause if you don't, you just have an echo chamber of people telling each other everything that the other person believes. And you can see that that's true here because these people are, they're having a discussions. They're trying to, you know, see the other person's perspective. And okay, so I went off on a tangent about that, but that's okay. I, I the the backdrop is this lawyer is trying to understand how to inherit eternal life. Now we've turned that into when you die, you get to live for forever. Um. And there's also a conundrum there because how does forever have a beginning point, um, which would be your death, right? So that's forever. It's it, it, that's not how forever works. <laughs> so what is it then? And you can see it in how Jesus answers him. Eventually, he says, you know, he says he asks him, "How do you interpret it?" And 
the guy says, you know, love God with all your blah, 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 and your neighbor as yourself. And then Jesus says, you have answered correctly. Do this and you will live. And so, you know, if that's the answer to the question that the guy was asking, then live is something that's happening now. So it's it's to be alive. It's to live and, and to fall into authentic living, genuine, you know, interaction with everything around you and every person, every everything. And for me, that's what eternal life is. And I believe the same for the, the person who asked it, that they weren't just trying to figure out how do I go to heaven, but how do I embody a life worth living is almost the question that's being asked here. So, um, I mean, we don't really have to talk into, cause I feel like this is a whole other thing, but the idea of, you know, you shall love the Lord, your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and all your mind and your neighbor as yourself. So, yeah, I mean, that's just the idea of, you know, with every aspect of yourself, have love for the highest possible good, the highest point of concern for society, whatever it is, that's, you know, that's what it means to love God, to embody the best and to, to do the best. Okay. So let's, let's get into the meat of it. But he, the lawyer desiring to justify himself said to Jesus, and who is my neighbor? So, and who is my neighbor? That's the name of the episode. Uh, because I think this is really the question that kicks off the rest of the story, right? It's the it's the thing it's the it's the question that the some good Samaritan story is trying to answer. And at the beginning here, you know the 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 person writing the narrative is just trying to set up the idea of you know where this man is coming from, right? So it's a story. So you want to add in the idea of well, what is the man's emotion behind asking this, so we can understand where he's coming from and the author says but he desiring to justify himself said to jesus and who is my neighbor so what can we take from that we have an individual who is trying to figure out how he can best live his life and how to live his life that is both is ultimately pleasing to god and takes care of the idea of loving their neighbor. So again, to justify himself, he says, who is my neighbor? So if you take the example of the previous paragraph, uh, the lawyer asked Jesus a question and Jesus responds by asking him a question. How did he, you know, the, the teacher says, what should I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus says, well, what do you think you should do to inherit eternal life, eternal life? And, uh, so here, um, we can assume that the person who asked the question had an answer behind it, that Jesus, for some reason, doesn't feel interested in having his perspective on it. He'd much rather just tell him the correct answer in a parable form. A parable is a story um, with like a, a, a lesson to be learned from it. So... Um, this guy has a has an answer to the question of who is my neighbor. And for him, again, like it's 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 a definition that he has of these are my neighbors. And for all of us, we have our neighbors, right? We have people who we do life with, people who are 
you know, on our side when it comes to our, you know, political views, our ethical views, our spiritual views, those are all neighbors, I would say, as according to the lawyer in this story. That the people who you surround yourself with, the people you care about, the people who are, you know, who are good to you, those are the people you surround yourself with, those are your neighbors. And I, th- I think that those, that's the perspective that this this gentleman, this lawyer is coming from. So, okay, so let's, let's jump into this next part because we'll, we'll kind of pick up with that, that other part later. Um, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho and he fell amongst robbers who stripped him and beat him and departed, leaving him half dead. Now, okay, so there's, with any biblical tale, there's multiple levels on which it's true. It's there's a there's an actual level, there's a metaphorical level, there's a transcendental transcend. There's just a lot of different levels to these stories, and at, in any story, in every life. And we see here that that the individual, just your average everyday man, falls into the hands of robbers who strip him and beat him and leave him for dead now let's think about so you know when we hear this as a story we you know we picture thugs in our heads we picture ruffians uh there's a tangled reference in there for those of you paying attention um ruffians thugs oh i'm gonna sing and then i'll get sued by disney for copyright (laughs) um anywho this this guy like we're picturing bad people in our head right like people who are just like trying to steal and all those things but let's take that to a metaphorical level and and think about the idea of anything that robs you anything that takes truth from you anything that takes life from you anything that takes love from you those are all robbers and our society has different types of robbers in it and it's you know being born into a poor community is robbing you on some level of you know chance for better education better jobs whatever that would be Um, being born into a family that is filled with hatred that is a robber it robs you of a peaceful home it robs you of good family connection things that are important So, when we think about this man, don't just think about it in the context of somebody who falls into the hands of bad people, but think about him as people who have fallen into a society that is broken, that has broken parts, that doesn't have proper understandings of reality. And this is almost the story for pretty much everyone. You know, we're all born into a situation that isn't inherently perfect there is something in most people's circumstances that rob them of something so to to some degree we're all victims of robbers and we need good samaritans to come and help us rise out of it obviously i don't want to feed into the idea of that we're all victims or anything like that but the point that i'm trying to make is that Every person has an aspect of their life that robs them, and it's 
probably more likely to be unconscious that it's robbing them, that they're not aware that this is happening. I hope that that makes sense. So yeah, just you know, think about it on, on all these levels of an actual robber, but then on the spiritual, on the emotional level, there's, there's things that rob you. And leave you, you know, half for dead. Now by chance, a priest was going down the road. And when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So likewise, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. So we have two people here before the Samaritan shows up. And, I mean, a priest, that's pretty easy. He represents, you know, religious goodness and all that fun stuff and like the i guess you know the society he also represents the societal aspect of you know your of morality of like this is what it means to be good and, and all that stuff and then we have a levite and a levite would be somebody who is very religiously devout and very pure and very um you know pious and just you know they don't they they did things that's intentionally separated themselves from the rest of society ultimately for theoretically for their own goodness and societal goodness um again we don't need to go into that but again this person is representing of people in society that think that they're above other people that think that they just don't need to reach out and connect and to help people yeah so we have we have those two right we have the the ethical the moral societal pressure to do good and then we also have the people in society that just think that they're above people um and of course you know they walk by this wounded individual they they have, it doesn't fit into their story but a samaritan as he journeyed came to where he was and when he saw him he had compassion Okay, so what is a Samaritan? A Samaritan is a Jewish person that lives in the northern aspect of, or the northern aspect, the northern uh, providence of Israel. Let's get into some fun Bible history. <laughs> um, at one point in time, the kingdom of Israel was divided into northern kingdom and a southern kingdom. And in the northern kingdom, you had Sumeria being the, the real point of um, religious worship, of culture, and that was, that was that place. And in the, the southern kingdom was Jerusalem. That's where the temple was. That's where all the religious festivals were held, um, yada, yada. And eventually, I think in seventy three three somewhere around, I you know I I'm not gonna try to pretend to give you dates. Um, at one point in time, Israel got taken by Babylon into um, they were captured by them and and had their country and towns and Jerusalem itself was decimated, um, and that was the end of the first temple. So you hear about second temple Jews that would be the temple that is currently destroyed in Israel. Um, I shouldn't be laughing about that. The weeping wall. That's yeah. Anyways, when all of Israel was taken out, there were some people in Sumeria left. No, not Sumeria. In um, um, yeah, Samaria. <laughs> um, that they were left there, and 
Babylon brought in other people to inhabit that land. And when they did that, they started to share religious practices as well as to um, cross marry, to, to, to marry in between the two cultures and, and whatnot. And obviously today that isn't a big issue, uh, at least it shouldn't be, and back then it was, and you know, that's we're still pulling ourselves out of that, but you know, it was, it's, it's a, there's an idea of being like, you know, I'm just a pure Israelite, I don't have these other things in me, you know, straight Jewish, whatever it would be, you know, you have that all over the world, it's not uncommon. Um, but it, you can see the mindsets that it leads to and the division and, and all these things and the things that Jesus is trying to cut through at the moment. Um, so, yeah, so to the man who is hearing the story would have just been your average Jewish person. So he would have heard about a Samaritan doing this and it would have been someone who he viewed as impure or like just, I don't even want to say like a half breed, but something like that, that they weren't like, and this is, you know, this is the mindset of the person hearing this, right? And it's a it's terrible. And so we're it's about spiritual evolution. We're trying to grow out of these things. And that's what Jesus is doing here by telling the story of the good Samaritan to to show us that it's that it's not about how you interpret the other, the labels that you put on the other person or the again the robbers that have robbed those people in their world. It, there's something more than that. It's our shared humanity. So, the Samaritan has compassion on this man. I want, I just, I'm not going to get into that now. We'll get into that later. But just remember that that was the emotion that welled up within this Samarian when he saw the, um, the beaten Jewish individual. He went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he set him on his own animal and brought him to an inn and took care of him. And the next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper, saying, Take care of him, and whatever more you spend, I will repay you when I come back. So, the this is the literal definition of going out of your way for someone, right? Because this, you know, the Samaritan... He, he was journeying. He was heading out from one place to another. He wasn't just wandering about and this happened. He, was, he had a destination. He, had, he was going from point A to point B. And most of us, most of us in our lives, we, that's what we're doing. We're trying to go from point A, point B. We're trying to just get through our lives. And then sometimes the universe throws things at us where we have to go out of our way. And... You know, this is, it's costing this man, right? So it's, he he's, his, wherever he was headed to, you know, maybe he's headed to family or maybe he's headed to some sort of meeting or he's making a deal for his, whatever he works for, whatever, blah, blah, blah. He's putting that on hold and he's going to make his prerogative taking care of this man. And it, you know, he pours oil and wine on him. Those, that's not cheap. Those are, those are food. Those are things that he needs to survive. And he's, he's helping, he's using them to bound and heal the wounds of this individual. And, you know, it, it says in there, he, he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Two denarii would be about two days worth of labor. A denarii would be 
a full day's worth of pay. So it would be about two days of pay. So think about that. Think about, you know, I don't know how much you make. I know how much I make an hour or in about in a day's work. So he, he just, in two days, he's just like, I will give up two days of pay to take care of this man. And I think, you know, back in those times, that was a lot more impressive because they probably lived day to day. And to just be like able to hand this off to this man and say that it's more important that this individual be taken care of than whatever, you know, I initially had in mind for this, that's that's beautiful, right? And this, you know, I think that's what we should really be taking away from this, is that this is a beautiful story. And I think a lot of people read this and it makes their stomach turns because they're like, shit, I don't think I could do that. And I think that's how the, you know, that's how the person who asked this question felt when he heard this, because Jesus says to him, um, which of the... Which of these three, meaning the priest, the Levite, and the Samaritan, do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell amongst the robbers? And the lawyer said, the one who showed him mercy. And he's right. You know, they, he, again, Jesus is being like, listen, you, if, again, going back to that initial first question of how do I inherit eternal life, it's like, well, if you want to do that, the proof that you're doing that is, by showing that you're this person's neighbor, that they're a person that you, you know you're trying to take care of. That, like I said earlier, they're, that there's someone you invite into your life that you would you give yourself to. Yeah, and so I want to talk about the connection here between compassion and mercy. So when the Samaritan arrives and and comes across this man. He has compassion for him. And then later, the lawyer describes the man as having mercy on the individual. So somewhere in the middle of all of that, compassion turned into mercy. And for me, mercy is compassion embodied. It is compassion put into action. That if you just... Think about it from this perspective. If you just have compassion on a person, it eventually will turn into just pity. And pity is always from the perspective of someone who is higher up and looking down on those people. And that's what, you know, the Levite and the priest, they had pity on these this person. He probably just was like, meh, I'm just, I'm going by, that's so pitiful, what happened to this man? But... There was no mercy. There was no putting into action of compassion. And I ultimately believe that that's what the point of this story is. <laughs> Obviously, you know, and, and Jesus ends by saying, you go and do likewise. So what, what Jesus is trying to say to this guy is that, listen, if you're asking about you know, these questions of how do I live properly? How do I inherit a, eternal life? How do I have a good connection with God? How do I, you know, prosper in my inner world? And Jesus says that the way to do that is to go out of your way for somebody who isn't on your side and to love them. And I think that that's beautiful. And when I was thinking about this, I remembered another verse um, of Jesus, something that Jesus says earlier in the, the Gospel of Luke. 
It's Luke 6.33. He says, And if you do good to those who are good to you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do that. And I love that because the logic is so evident and honest and brilliant. Because think about it this way. If what, what benefit is there to only do good to those who do good to you? Granted, you can say, it helps me, I'm helping them, we're, we're building each other up, and that's good. That, but it's, there's no credit. There's nothing being added to the equation. So if you start to do, if you and someone, if you and someone who always do good to each other continue to do that, that's great. That's, that's how it should be. But if one of you start to do bad to the other, that's a negative, that's a deficit. But if you do good to someone that is has bad intentions for you, then that is a credit to you. That is helping us as a society to break out of the left and right, the back and forth, the black and white. And we're trying to 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 mend, to push past ourselves. So what is it? What is it? What good is it if you only help people? who look like you, who think like you, who talk like you. That's that's great that you're doing that, but it's not healing the world. It's not mending society. And I, for me, that's what true compassion is, according to Jesus. And, you know, you can argue all day if he was real or not, but he still is the standard that we try to live up to in the West. We see him and we, we, we project onto him the best possible goodness that we can imagine. And he justifies it here. He he shows that to be true because it really is the best form of compassion and mercy when you're doing it to somebody who you're not gaining anything from. Because, you know, again, like it's not a, when you're just when you're doing good to people who do good to you, then you're just you're staying the same. It's the system isn't getting better or worse. It's just. It's riding itself out. But when you do good to somebody who doesn't deserve it, you're healing that person. You're saving that person. You know, that's what that's what the Samaritan is doing to this. Again, remember that there's more than one way to be robbed. It's to be ignorant. It's to not know what's right to do. It's it's there's so many different ways to be robbed. And so there's, that means there's so many different ways to be a Samaritan to somebody. There's so many different ways to, to, to bound that, those wounds, you know, and it's not just talking about, it's, it's an acting love towards that person. It's not just being, you know, the Samaritan didn't look at the guy and tell him about how bad the robbers were. What he did was he, you know, he wasn't trying to figure that out. He wasn't like, oh, I'm going to figure out who did this and I'm going to, you know, I'm going to make sure they get justice or whatever. That wasn't his prerogative. What his goal was is to make sure that this man, this individual got better. I think a lot of us, we have very deep compassion for the world. We want the world to get better. And that's beautiful. But the world doesn't get better by not helping individuals because what is the world made up of? Individuals, right? So like... (laughs) If society just doesn't magically get better, people just don't magically get healed. If if that Samaritan, the Jewish man would have just been left there, he was they were leaving him half dead, so he would have just died. 
You know, that's the law of entropy, that things just get worse without intervention by a benevolent force. So, you know, I, I really want to encourage everyone, you know, how do you be a true good Samaritan? And I think for a lot of people, good Samaritan means helping the people that look like me, helping the people that believe like me, helping the people that blah, blah, blah. But, but here, the standard is moved up a notch to say, no, to do true compassion, to do true mercy, to do true love is to do it to somebody who you wouldn't normally do that to. That's what, that's what this is. That's how it makes it better. So, yeah, I mean, that's, I don't think I really have anything else to say about that. I would love to hear what you think about this story. Um, yeah, and, you know, my only encouragement would be to say what Jesus said is, you go and do likewise, because there's a lot of people who were beaten by robbers and laying half dead. And you go ahead and you define what that is. And you go ahead and you define how you bandage those wounds, how you take care of that person, how you, at your own personal expense and no gain to yourself, how do you take care of that person? How do you heal that person? That's my challenge to you. It's my challenge to me. It's the challenge to this lawyer dude. So, yeah, I have all the faith in the world that if we embodied this principle I, I couldn't begin to imagine what society would look like. So yeah, you go and do likewise. Goodbye, my friends.